0: thank you so much for tuning in to Spiritual Insights. We have a wonderful program for you today. Author, intuitive, personal and professional coach, Karen L. Garvey, MBA, invite you to learn why you are here, how to be happy, how to get what you want, what happens when we die, how to improve wealth, health, relationships, and abundance, and how to obtain the life you desire. She does this through her book, The Answers to All Your Questions About Life. As communicated through Medium, Karen L. Garvey, it's amazing. I'm just like staring at the cover. I love it so much. What the book is is a compilation of essays chronicling 68 daily channeled sessions. It contains clear, concise instructions on how to create the life you desire and explains in clear language the plights of the human condition and how to rise above them to achieve health, abundance, and happiness. Karen is not only the author of five books, she has also appeared in dozens of media outlets, such as The Dr. Oz Show, PBS, Red Book, Hamptons Magazine, New Jersey Savvy, LI Press, Creations Magazine, and Spa Magazine, as well as two documentaries and numerous other appearances. I couldn't possibly get to them all. But she is out there with this wonderful knowledge that she has gained. Karen also provides ongoing insights for seminars, media appearances, books, and coaching, as well as an extensive Variety of her own seminars, such as LIFE, Leading Intuitively for Empowerment. While you're listening, you can learn more at theanswersunlimited.com. Learn about her book. She offers a lot on her website, so poke around. Calls for readings will not be taken during this segment. We are here to discuss the book and all of the help that it offers readers. It's absolutely amazing. We do have a free gift for you. All listeners can are eligible to receive a free gift, which we will describe at the end of the segment. And I, without any further ado, welcome to the show, Karen. It's so nice to have you with us.
1: Well, thanks. It's so nice to be here. I love your enthusiasm.
0: Oh, you know, this is, and I'm trying to meter my speech because when I get excited, you know how the energy <laughs> amps up and you start your your speech gets more and more rapid, Yeah. and I'm, I'm just trying to center and control my breathing so that we can have an actual conversation <laughs> and, and not this. Oh, my God, because um, what I got to dig into with the book so resonates with everything I am and everything I teach on the show, and you did a terrific job, and I want to talk about the way it's constructed. You opted to go with essay style. Which at first, I looked at it, and I said, okay, well, this is different. And then I got into it. And then I started to feel like I was in a classroom alone with a, an amazing teacher. Wow. And the personality you channel, down, it, it really felt like she was talking to me on a level that I certainly understand, but that I quickly reco- recognized that everybody can understand and digest what she's saying about emotions and about uh, how to let go and how to examine your beliefs. Just fantastic.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. What was the ultimate decision in this format? I know you didn't want to take, for instance, as I mentioned in the introduction. This is 68 daily channeling sessions where you wrote down the information you were given. Sometimes a channeled session picks up where a previous one left off, but you opted not to combine those. You left it in its real chronological order. How did did you feel that was helpful to the reader?
1: Uh, For a lot of reasons, because I was still, you know, kind of I had one foot in each world, if you will. I had one foot in the energy realm, as I was discovering our eternal nature, which came to me very suddenly. And then I had the other foot on earth. So I was a learner as I was channeling. And I came from a family that really valued the intellect. So this experience was novel to me. And so for me, the experience of channeling that first book was a growth opportunity where what it was I was hearing was teaching me as I was putting the words down on paper and so if i was able to learn and discover and feel exhilarated and excited and optimistic as i was receiving each passage it seemed to me that a reader could you know follow that same pathway and travel along that same journey and another Mm. reason is that the depth of some of those passages they're dense some of them are really dense Some of them are a little lighthearted, but some of them are dense. Mm -hmm. And to manage, to digest and integrate and comprehend um, even three pages or four pages, uh, it's a lot. And for a lot of people, they just like to put the book aside after a passage and live with that for a few days or a week. So Mm -hmm. it can't really be cemented together like a novel uh, it's easier to digest it in bits and pieces and bite off whatever you feel you can manage on a given day or a week or an evening or whatever.
0: Hmm. Well, the, the main personality that you're channeling, you call her in this revised edition, you call her Yana. Are there other entities that come through to add some information?
1: Uh, yeah, it's interesting, um, Char, because you're the first person that's ever asked that on a radio show, so I have to say that's an insight into your own intuitive ability. But I <laughs> did have you know, guest souls come in and channel particular passages, and for and a really high level of awareness or evolved audience or reader. What I did just to make a little bit of fun of it was that, or fun out of it, I put in the um, in the acknowledgments the initials of some of the guest authors of souls who, you know, may have been known and have passed. So is just to make understood? kind of it can make kind of a fun game out of it if you want to look at those initials and say, Oh, I wonder if this is so and so Um it just keeps your mind open and gets you thinking, Wow, that sounds like something so and so could have said. Could it be? Let me go look in those initials and see if I got that one right.
0: So I think of it, it as a
1: as a uh <laughs> think of it as like a um scavenger hunt
0: yeah, treasure hunt. Okay, in the acknowledgement, what we're talking about is you acknowledge, you know, from the beginning you have a large circle of supporters, wonderful people, and then at the bottom it says, and hopefully, I think G H C E B D T E Seth B F, you know. And I looked at that and I thought, okay, well maybe some of her friends didn't want to be mentioned by their <laughs> full name. So now I understand the initials these are entities that contributed to the material. Yeah, Beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to take that challenge on and and see if I can't figure out who these people are because Yana what what I was impressed with as I moved through the material, Yana mm-hmm. speaks on such a contemporary level. Like it doesn't sound like um she doesn't speak in biblical terms. She doesn't speak in in a language that is reflective of a certain era. Yeah. It's it's like it's she's talking today. She uses terms that we use today, she goes into the technology of today. And um it's just so digestible and I, I think everybody would love this.
1: Yes, that's what I one of the things that I like about you know, my position in being able to bring information to people today is that I can help to bridge the gap between the logical and analytical kinds of um, people who don't necessarily have a place where they can go for spiritual information that resonates with them. So, the you know, stripping away some of the language or particular dialects that people use to describe ourselves as spiritual beings, if you strip that away and just communicate as though, you know, you're picking up your kids and driving an SUV and you go to work and you come home and you make dinner, it makes it more accessible to people who think it's separate from them.
0: Mm. Uh. Okay. Well, I also love um Yana goes in to talk about other other people like celebrities and um major figures in American history. John Lennon, she goes into length with about and, and she she explains in the book that it's not just her. She's a group of thousands of souls who are on a mission to help us on this plane through channeling and I actually know a couple of people who channel some of the people she mentioned. So it's interesting how it all seems to connect. But, of course, yes. we know that it's beautiful. You know, we know what's going yeah. on.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that's another factor that, for me, added credibility to the passage because uh, me as a human, before any of this started, and no offense, John Lennon, but I wasn't a John Lennon fan and so for me when, when she was giving insights into who he is as a soul and what his, you know, focus is today, uh, it was credible to me because I knew that I would not have selected him to be a player. Um I've yeah. since come to adore him and understand and appreciate who he was in human form on an entirely different level. But when this began I did not have an appreciation for who he was.
0: Neither did I. But it is what it is, and she refers to him as a great, and there's other words I want to get into. But the the main question I want to ask you as a channel, and, and my experience with channeling, and as you absorb the material that is brought through you, what's the difference between the first day you sat down, day one, and the 68th essay that was transmitted through you? What's the biggest difference about you that happened in that time?
1: Um, probably that the amount of time it would take me to get myself out of the way and delve into the material had pretty much, you know, dissolved the number of minutes that that would take. Uh, And the other part is that my need to doubt and be skeptical and um, to sometimes, you know, wonder each day anew about the authenticity, that also dissolved because the body of work was so credible and resonant that I was able to finally, once and for all, completely suspend doubt. Excellent.
0: Well, let's get to the the practical question of how did you go from being a business person to doing this? What was that experience like?
1: Uh, I had, I, you know, I grew up without any kind of spiritual conversation in our family. Um, we were pretty much taught that we were finite And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any whimsy about the optimism of us continuing a journey or having had a journey before we got here. Uh, You don't really question necessarily what you're exposed to as a child, but it didn't feel like a happy version of reality by any means. Um, But in addition, when I got to be an adult, I also found that I carried with me like the the dark shadows of challenges of childhood and they followed me no matter what good was happening in my life these these shadows were always putting some kind of a you know a, a damper on my happiest experiences but what really changed was um on the morning of 911 um i live about an hour from manhattan and mm-hmm. i had gone out for a run and when i was finished with my run and standing in the driveway I experienced what was happening at the World Trade Center as it was unfolding, and it only was under a minute when somebody was ringing my phone and asking me to put on the TV. So I had validation and explanation for what I experienced, you know, almost immediately. Right. Um, and that started a very, very long journey. Of discovery, of learning how to get myself out of the way so I could be a conduit for non-physical sources of information. It was a mm. long journey, but it, that was a life-changing experience for me. Mm.
0: Yes, I had to go through that, and there's everything takes practice. So it's it's yeah. a matter of there's trust and there's. Um, practice that gets you to that level of I call it relinquishing my ego. Yeah. Where I encapsulate my ego and push it out of the way so that I'm a clean slate and a clear channel through which information can come through.
1: Precisely, and, very well said.
0: Thank you. I once I'm in the introduction and you say in the in the second sentence, I have learned the, that effective beneficial communications with entities requires permission. Let's talk about that a moment.
1: It feels like um, oftentimes when we're wanting to connect with the non physical, uh, a lot of people's versions of stories is that they're just receiving something or it's hitting them and it's confusion confusing them or there's confusion or they feel afraid. Or unsure of what's happening, uh, and then another version is that people attempt to connect, attempt to connect, attempt to connect with an agenda, and through that agenda, you might be contorting whatever information you get through the connection to begin with. Oh. So it's it's when you set yourself up to have it be a partnership that there's a there's there's a soul or there's a. Um, an entity that wants to communicate, and you have cleared yourself so that you are doing the best that you can to remove your personal lens of bias of what you've accumulated in your earth life, you shake Mm -hmm. hands and you can have a real conversation as you would with a human. It's a two-way street. It's back and forth. Um, And that permission opens up the possibility that the dialogue can be authenticated through questions and answers and, you know, reviewing different possibilities and examining facts. Um, So I find that having permission makes it smooth. You don't feel let down if you're not connected, and you don't feel violated if it's coming into you and you don't comprehend what's happening. Uh, And so it's the same as choosing to be in a viable, meaningful conversation with a person. Uh, and as long as you can set your own agenda and ego aside, you can have a wonderful conversation. It's amazing what can
0: come through. And I love the way you explain it. I feel but by giving permission, in effect, you are accepting the quote-unquote role that you are taking in this conversation without expectations for the outcome or what it yeah. means to you personally and that allows for I think deeper communication and for me it comes through in layers and I get to those deeper layers not just those first superficial layers that my brain can understand does that make sense? Yeah
1: totally and completely totally and completely it's amazing how much stuff we have stored up in our brain that gives us a version of reality that might not necessarily be true
0: and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes because she goes into it it's at such a clear level I just loved it you go on to say that a year before a year or so before you began communicating directly with souls who passed a client of yours said you have a gift for bridging the gap between the spiritual and the intellectual I also enjoy the blending of the two how do you how do you feel you develop that
1: well, I guess part of the the way that that opened up is because growing up the intellect was what was valued and appreciated and academic achievement was, you know, kind of revered um, because I spent the first few decades of my life having that be my only frame of reference and, you know, wanting to do well in school, wanting to do well in business. I I was like one of those people who used logic to form the basis of all of my choices and all of my determination of what the world and life was about. And so for me, I personally was not a kind of person that would be able to have someone come over to me and start explaining Reiki or chakras or wear beads or have gems or anything like that. It wouldn't have worked for me. It wasn't a part of my logical reality. So. Mm-hmm. When I went through the process of beginning communicating, I did so in a very scientific and logical way. And because I approached it that way, then I was able to have authentication for myself that helped to bridge the gap from the intellect into the eternal. So having been one that could only have entered into, um, you know, passed through that door through that way, it became important to me that I be able to provide that opportunity for other people. And another interesting thing that that was unique for me is that uh, my circle of friends were, they were attorneys and doctors and lots of accountants. Yes. And so when I'm coming out and having conversations, I have no basis for language about anything that I'm talking about. One person after the other, after the other, after the other. When they started to show curiosity and asked me questions and they didn't abandon me and they didn't think I was crazy, that to me alone was extraordinarily validating. So I saw that people who, you know, spend their whole life being a doctor or an attorney, that they have an eagerness to recall this infinite wisdom as well. Everybody wants to, but it now is able to come in a package where they can have a conversation that feels like it's intellectual while bringing them to the eternal.
0: Mm. Yes, we're, we're to a large degree we're all cerebral, and yet there's yes. that spark of knowledge in us that we know there's more to us than just this body. Yes, Yeah. So we might just ask differently or explore differently and process differently. you mentioned that this all hit you on the morning of 9-11, and there's a paragraph I wanted to read aloud and then kind of talk about the concepts. It says on page 9, I'm still in the introduction, although the information I received was often regarding tragic events, I didn't feel negative emotions as I sensed the events. Instead, I was filled with an awareness about the, quote, universal reasons why they had occurred and an understanding of how different souls participated for the greater enlightenment of humankind. I usually experience a sense of peace with this knowledge. And I selected this because I think it's important that either for us as mediums or even us as human beings, the topic of death and mortality is just so important and then in recent events, as recent as 9/11, because it feels—if I let myself—it it can feel like it happened a week ago in yeah. my emotional, you know, with in my emotional framework. Okay. But I wanted to talk about the the concept that people choose to participate in these events and soften the tragedy of the survivor's perception of what happened to the people who died. Can you speak yeah. on that, what you've learned from Yana? What,
1: what I've what i come to understand is, first of all, having the basis of our understanding of our reality here is that we are in an eternal journey, that we were here before, we're here now, we'll come, in, come again if we choose to. Um, and even when we're not in physical form, that we have our presence in what I call the energy realm. The, the fact that we exist... Um, infinitely helps us to comprehend that the moments of our life are not as massively um, uh, significant as we may think. If you put it into the context of hundreds of thousands of years and if you put it into the context of us all being connected and all helping each other and recalling the unity and about the value of shared experiences to help us awaken to things that we have forgotten that is very quiet inside of us, when you see it in the big picture, the big context, you understand Mm -hmm. that as we are moving about in our lives, And through the infinite wisdom of the universe, the way we're co-creating opportunities for rediscovering these pieces of knowledge that we've forgotten, then you can see how the collective and the individual have an unconscious, the individual has an unconscious desire and the collective has an almost conscious desire to let themselves be catalysts for discovery. You know, there, there can sometimes be a lot more comprehension that comes from something that we're we are perceiving as being chaotic than if we had had a whole bunch of stuff that seemed pretty good happening. We pay more attention to the negative. Um and so we will spend more time trying to determine the cause and the effect and the outcome and the benefits. Um I do believe that ultimately, you know, life on earth, I don't know the year but we can begin to enjoy life without chaos and have our awakenings and our discoveries come from positive events. Mm-hmm. But we have to continue to let go of the misbelief that a challenge knocking on the door is the only way to growth. That's what we've been conditioned to believe. Therefore, that's how in the collective we primarily operate.
0: Mm. I do believe the day is coming where there will be no more conflict, no more poverty, no more hunger. It's just up to us as human beings how soon that happens.
1: Yes, I completely agree.
0: Mm. Well, I know we're both trying to do our part. What I'd what (laughs) I'd like to do is I want to talk about the tangible versus the intangible. She had some really interesting things to say, but let me go to commercial first. And we'll talk about that when we come back, okay? Great. Okay. Don't go away, everyone. We'll be right back right after these messages.
1: Explore new areas of interest, expand your knowledge, and gain clarity about your life's purpose at the Ocala Intercenter, Center. Affectionately known as OIC, the Ocala Intercenter, Center, just two blocks south of Town Square, offers workshops, classes, healing meditations, and special events for the Ocala, Gainesville, and Central Florida spiritual community. Check out our calendar of events at OcalaInnerCenter.com. And if you're looking for a place for your next workshop or seminar, go to OcalaInnerCenter.com and give Gene a call. At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop Texts, stoprex.org Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry... I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat, I'm stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps.
0: Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dustin Lynch. You don't have to listen to country music to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you just can't control, like your girlfriend running out on you with your best friend. But there's some drama that you can skip, like the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or GED. You just need to take that first step and find free classes near you. Go to YourGED.org and start moving towards a brighter future and even your college degree. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ag Council. Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, we are here with Karen L. Garvey, author of The Answers to Your Questions About Life. Karen, real quick, yes. since since the author you identify in the book is this entity that you refer to as Yana, what do you consider yourself as the person who compiled it and constructed it? What label do you give yourself?
1: Um, I use the word conduit.
0: Conduit. Um I did
1: think a lot about how do you explain this process, but I see myself as a conduit. You know, conduit to a particular soul, a conduit to the river of universal knowledge, um the conduit to um universal wisdom. Right. We all can be a conduit too, so I always like to let people recognize that, that it's not as though I have been you know, chosen or anything like that. It's just that when I started to explore and become aware of this possibility, I dedicated, you know, all of my curiosity and passion to its pursuit. Um, So don't, you know, don't believe that you too cannot be intuitive. You might not necessarily have the time or the passion to dedicate yourself to exacting it the way that I did, but that does not mean that you are not a conduit. Perfect segue,
0: because... Yana goes into tangible versus intangible. She's talking about science. She's talking about the brain versus the mind. And she's funny. On page 13, she says, what else can we observe about the, quote, mind? Where is it located? In the brain? If you lose your mind, does your brain fall out and your response system ceases to function? No, your mind cannot be seen, touched, handled, contained, modified, or understood. It is intangible, yet it directs all your activities. And she's funny did she come out come through as funny often in your always, sessions with her
1: always always
0: Interesting. always and i find
1: I find most souls without physical bodies are much funnier than those around here because <laughs> they don't there's have the, the encumbrances of being human that make them all yeah. so serious <laughs> and it's,
0: it's there's a subtleness to their humor there's there's an overt quality, but there's a subtleness to it where it makes you stop and think and then it's kind of like after the after the fact and then you can't say anything you just got to shake your yeah. head it's like oh <laughs> god yeah that's funny but she goes on to say and you you were talking about intuition that you know we all have intuition and that is one of the most crucial tools to use in your life with which to make it better or improve or relinquish what need what doesn't serve you and then goes on to give specifics. That's what I like about her style. She says, okay, here's your assignment. Just 20 minutes. Go and write on this topic and don't read on until you're done. And if and if you don't feel that you are able to commit to this, give this book to someone else because I want to help other people. But she gives specific steps on increasing the intuition so that you can use that rather than depend on the opinions of others. Tell me, tell me yeah. a little
1: bit about that. I, well, what we can become aware of is that we have one unifying desire among all humans on Earth, and that desire is that we want to be valued and appreciated. And no matter how much somebody acts as though they are a lone wolf or they can live in isolation, uh, there still is a part that wants to feel connected and to be. Um, valued, You know, think of it as wanting love at some level or, an, or another, but it is to be appreciated. Uh, but one of the challenges that that desire can set us up for is that in our desire to belong, to be accepted, and to connect on a level where we feel like we're part of a group or part of something, is that we will frequently adopt the values and beliefs of other people, whether or not they're based on truth or not. And so the more we adopt other people's ideas without, you know, seeing from a deep place within us if they're resonating, then we start to quiet that ability to discern the difference between truth and what's told to us by other people. So intuition is the conduit that allows us to be able to listen to a person or an idea or to view a circumstance and say, you know what, is this? Is this measuring up? Does this hit a place inside of me that feels real, that feels authentic, that feels eternal almost? Um, And so reigniting that and opening that up again becomes a much more valuable resource than only using analytical reasoning or logic or science or um, even experience and education as our lens for determining what we take in to become a part of ourselves. Uh, and it is really quite remarkable how much we're wearing the ideas and expectations of other people as our identity. Intuition can help us to strip that off and to find, you know, out who we really are. What is the essence of us? What do we like? What do we want? Not what, what do other people want of us. Not, not do looking around and say, what do other people view as deeming us worthy And intuition really is that source. I think about this sometimes, that, you know, how does a terrorist cell develop and then, you know, go out there and follow these ideas that are not aligned with universal wisdom? And it is that that strong, strong feeling of wanting to belong. And if your entire social circle and your entire family is going to be based on a tremendous mistruth. And if you are shunned or punished or isolated, if you don't gravitate toward that belief and mimic it, um, you're going to be shattered. You can't form a basis of how to create a different reality. But sometimes I wonder, if you're in that kind of circumstance, do you still get these, like, aha moments? Like, wow, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right. You know, you might get them, but you look around and say, everything that I know, my entire reality, is based on accepting this belief. So you push through it and you squash the aha moment.
0: Mm. And that's what's beautiful about it. Yana um, specifically guides the reader through the process by way of writing assignments in 20 minutes first. And she tells you what belief to examine and look at your emotions And she focuses on teaching the reader to look at life from soul level. And then she uses key phrases such as soul song. Let's talk a little bit about the soul song and how even with the terrorist group, we'll we'll push that back a little bit, but I don't want to get too far into it. But everybody has a soul song, and I just want to impress upon the audience that people don't start out coming to this planet planning to be bad. They do start out being a good person and wanting to be loved and be happy and be abundant and successful. It's It's what we experience that puts this overlay of those beliefs, like you were saying, that we take on from family and teachers. I've always said that we're an accretion of everything we've ever seen, heard, felt, or witnessed, and we take that on. And that yeah. is true for everybody. She even touches on Hitler nine eleven. She talks about these entities and who they who they were before they were born and then who they become. So it's really fascinating to read about that. But let's talk about soul songs and what you've learned to understand about what that is.
1: Um I, I think probably one of the easiest ways to just Quickly comprehended is the idea that every person on Earth has a unique fingerprint. Now, a, a fingerprint, it's a two dimensional, not very intriguing image, but if you look at it as being unique and then you use the term soul song, you can see a lot more depth and variety and dimensions in our true essence. Um, and we each have an essence, we each are born magnificently. Um, with this own our own vibration, based on everything that we have done and chosen and experienced and selected and desired through our eternal journey, and mm-hmm. the uniqueness of it is beautiful uh and you can almost sense someone's soul song despite what package they have as a human being, despite how separated they might have been from letting that soul song and all of its beauty be heard and experienced. But sometimes you can just know that underlying a challenging package or underlying the difficulties that that person has had as a human, that's not necessarily allowing them to shine to the full extent of their soul song, but you can know that that soul song is within each and every person um and i see our collective privilege is to help everybody find their own personal shine and relinquish all of the negative experiences that they've had that cover it up
0: right right beautiful she there was something she said i'm looking for it now Basically, I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, what she was saying was, and and I know if you're listening to this show now, you have an interest in spirituality and metaphysics. But I am seeing a shift, and she went on to explain it, and she said, here it is. um, she, She gives advice to study up on Edgar Cayce, the Seth material, look up remote viewing, channeling, intuitive, psychic ability, all of this stuff, challenge yourself to discover evidence that supports the fact that your life is not finite, the fact that your life is endless and your physical existence has a purpose. She asks an important question. Why are so many ethereal pursuits prevalent and and mainstream today? And the answer is because they are based on truth and truth is undeniable. So I've I've for so long and you're probably like me, people call it new age and it's not
1: new. <laughs> that's so it's funny, the, you're right it's
0: the truth, It's the, none of this is new a lot of what I practice and preach is thousands of years old from before the time of Christ so yeah. I don't like the term new age and she encourages everybody to learn and gather information and she I love this part, she says briefly let me describe to you what life is like here and goes on to describe the energetic plane where she is who she's connected with, what they're like and, and some detail about that which is always fascinating. Did you did you ever get a visual of her or, or what's going on over there with
1: her? Oh I I easily do. Um I I was able to, you know, start to see things very, very quickly. So I can see and hear and feel and that makes it more um you know, much more exciting for me. Um, And I also have the ability to completely return to the state of consciousness that we all experience before we're born. So whether you call it, you know, visiting um, life before birth or, you know, making new memories there now, um, to be able to do that and to be in that state of unconditional love and bliss and ecstasy is probably one of the most rewarding elements of what it is that I now do.
0: Mm love that.
1: It's like a drug-free high, I would say. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Speaking of drug-free, she goes on in the book, uh, there are certain key phrases that she uses, and I want to talk about those, but since she said drug-free, I now know of one way to alleviate the symptoms of ADD and ADHD, and she even goes into that. And, you know, what we're taking these children with this seeming disorder, as you call it, and we're basically giving them a chemical lobotomy, and it's just so unnecessary, but I'm happy that she addressed ADD in the book. But she also addresses uh, two phrases. She calls them the greats, like when she's talking about John Lennon, and there's also triple greats. Give us a, a little bit of an idea of why she's bringing these and identifying these people in our culture or our history to help explain what she does about the human experience
1: what she's showing is that pretty much what you just said that this is not necessarily a new age that there are historic figures and some who are known now on earth that have been tuning into universal wisdom forever and they become known and they can help change the perceptions of people who are living a more limited human experience by bringing forth in a credible manner through whatever their vehicle is um, these pieces of knowledge so Mm. her version is that we're here to to love to create and to learn and so when she explains that a soul in human form is a great on earth they are able to help advance humanity's ability to shift in loving creating or learning so to help, um, you know, millions or or at least significant numbers of people to make that shift from mm. um, non-knowledge to that inner knowingness. And so a triple great would be one whose body of work was able to help humanity shift in all three arenas, loving and creating and learning. Um, I personally use the word discover, not learn, because learn for us in our society implies that you are flawed when you begin and you have to learn your lesson. So I use the word discovery because it it makes it more gentle and means that you are not flawed. You're just seeking to remember something that you already knew. Right.
0: It's remembering, you know, we have all this knowledge in our subconscious minds. We just need an outside trigger sometimes to spark that remembrance of what we already know, but always, again, to reiterate Use, using those that internal desire to remember is, is the fast track to getting to where you want to be on a spiritual level. There's a, another uh, interesting phrase she uses with regard to making choices. She calls it the hexagon station. Let's tell everybody about that.
1: Uh, yeah, I loved that passage. I never had an agenda when I would sit down and listen and get whatever was going to be said that day, the topic, so I was oftentimes surprised by what the topic would be, but I thought it was a really interesting way of viewing ourselves as evolutionary beings that, you know, we're striving to climb this um, metaphoric mountain to get to the peak of our enlightenment, but climbing that mountain is not an ascension alone when we're really making our discoveries and we're growing you go up you go down you pause you fall you get back up you go a little higher you know you hide and so hexagon station was a way that she metaphorically helped us understand that sometimes you're going to open up a door and walk into a place and you're going to pause for a long time you might pause with indecision or with fear or with needing to recover or to rejuvenate but when you're sitting in that hexagon station there's going to are going to be these other doors that you can open and it's okay to finally get up after recovery or um, digesting the last grand awakening that you have had and to open up another door Um, But so the point is that we don't have to have our growth be continuous. It's important to sometimes stay empty, to just rest, to allow rejuvenation, to allow integration of ideas, to allow life to happen. And I think her passage gives permission to people to see that once we know that we can grow, sometimes we set a very high spiritual bar for ourselves and what our development will be. But Hexagon mm-hmm. Station just gives you permission to pause, just settle in for a few moments. You're still a great being, even if you take a break.
0: Right. Well, she really does. It's clear throughout the book that her main goal is to help us get over the uh, The patterns in our lives, by identifying them, by understanding our emotions, releasing that so that we can create anew. How would you say someone can change their paradigm using this material with regard to, let's say, well, go for the money. People like that.
1: Yeah. Yes, they do, and I use it as a tool for helping us understand eternal wisdom all the time because it is something that we really like. We want to be feeling like we can be great and abundant financially. It just seems to be a nice backdrop for all of the other things that we want to do and experience. Mm -hmm. What I ask people to set themselves out on is to give themselves 24 hours where they truly stay alert and question every choice that they make. And in this regard, if we're going to look at money, um, spend 24 hours saying, why am I buying this? Why am I paying this bill? Why am I not buying this? Why am I donating? Why am I not donating? Um, If you're looking through that lens and becoming really alert and conscious of the choices that you make in regard to your material world and even how you dress and what brand of toothpaste you're using and how you purchase foods to feed yourself, When you're looking through that lens, you become aware that a lot of your choices are regurgitations of other people's expectations or their patterns, or you're doing things because of some notion that this makes you good or worthy or better. But when you start to be aware of why you make the choices that you make, you can take back ownership of being able to be the decider of how it is that you exist with money. And that's when you get into the power seat and you're no longer just on rote trying to make yourself have some kind of an emotional experience that matches the level of happiness that you want or not just being on road trying to impress people in a way that helps you to think that they think you're worthy so you get feedback from the world that you are a worthy person. So the key is to question, to question, to question. Question your choices about every dollar you spend, every dollar you earn, every dollar you pay, and every dollar you don't earn, and every dollar you don't pay. Okay.
0: Speaking of money, you have another book you sent me, Money Wisdom, Creating the Vibrational Energy of Wealth in Any Economy. And you'll be coming back to the show at some point to discuss this book. Are the two books related in any way as to channeled information, or is this independent of
1: the uh, the books book? are all stand alone. There's one exercise at the end of the answers in the last couple of chapters that's a really good uh springboard for any of the other books that I've written, but it's not essential that you read the answers to enjoy and get the most out of the other books. Gotcha perfect and i even write in money wisdom and in begin here i do write that if you'd like those that exercise at the end of the answers just email me here's how and i'll send you those couple of chapters because i don't want you to put down the other two books thinking you have to go back and read the answers first to move forward right what
0: i also like she goes into a lot of different topics um i specialize in dream interpretation And on the show, we have segments on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And she talks about, you know, what we all say about keeping a dream log and using your dreams to get information about your life journey. She talks about the process and what happens, which we've explored on the show. With your permission, I'd like to read some of this stuff on my shows this week on Wednesday and Saturday. Would that be okay?
1: Oh, I would love that. That's great.
0: It so supports everything I've already said. Well, now I can say, well, here's this nice lady up in heaven who says this is the way to do it. So oh,
1: interesting, I, yeah. It,
0: oh, it, it's hand in hand. That's why I'm so. my eyes are so wide at how wonderful <laughs> it is. And I love how she mentions um, people like Bill Gates and Gandhi and Mama Cass as examples. Yeah. People that we can identify with, but she says, okay, well, here's what they did right, but here's what they misperceived. And that yeah. is so down to earth. I love it.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And on the vein of you um, being able to intuitively interpret dreams with people, uh, one of the nice reasons to look at dreams is because it's the one time a day that most of us set ourselves aside. We all sleep every day pretty much. And so the idea of how do we tap into our intuition, sometimes it's hard for people whose brains are going nonstop, but you Mm. sleep every night, so you're accidentally in that arena anyway. You might as well take advantage of being there. Yes, absolutely.
0: What are some of the most um, predominant questions you're asked on changing someone's paradigm? We talked about money, but do you get a lot about intuitive ability or health, connecting with guides? What do you get most?
1: It really does, you know, run the gamut over people who want to change their paradigm with wealth, those who want, you know, a romantic relationship that's mutually beneficial, um, those who are struggling to have a relationship with their body that they want to reharmonize their bodies. Um, and I would say, you know, through all of those specifics, just about everyone I meet would love to have some Um, enhanced ability to knowingly connect with their own guides. So That seems to be really universal and and I appreciate that people are on that path to make that discovery because no matter how many conduits such as me are there to help us connect, the more you're able to have that relationship be for you, about you, with you, and you're not dependent on an outside source. It's very exhilarating to get the information firsthand. It is. And very it validating.
0: Is. It absolutely is. And, and until you get there, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are very, very good channels with a lot of integrity. And no matter who they're channeling or what unique voice that entity has, if you compare the different works of channels, you can see the universal message inherent in each. Yeah, it's It's all right there. Yes. 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 Karen, what do you consider to be the most important element or change that allow one to truly find their purpose? What about people who are thinking "Well, how do I find my purpose so that I know what would make me happy?
1: I ask people to pay attention to some innate fuels that we all have within us, but for the most part society kind of Squelches them and says that they're not that significant, but they're far more significant than we may believe and those fuels are natural curiosity, um, the feeling of being repelled and being attracted. you know if you are repelled to a concept i mean repelled by a concept or an idea. It's the universe's way of helping to shift you away from putting too much energy or resources or focus in an area that's not going to parallel you with your soul's intention. But if you're attracted to something or you have curiosity about something or passion about something, it's also helping to co-create your direction to head toward what will parallel you with your soul's intention. Um, Unfortunately, um, from public school um, systems and the way that we educate people and and what our expectation is of them, very, very soon on in our journey, most people are no longer really encouraged to follow their interests and their passion and their curiosity. Uh, So it's a matter of, as an adult, making the choice again to have what you are curious about and what you're interested in being something that is important enough to make the time to focus on. And when you keep focusing in that area and you put energy to it, it can evolve into a world and a life of its own, something meaningful and something purposeful that can be incredibly incredibly personally satisfying but can also make incredible contributions to others.
0: Yes. I would also add from experience, that life is much easier when you're aligned with that purpose because it flows, it falls into place, almost effortless. Making a phone call, scheduling an appointment, typing an email, no problem. But other than those things and using my intellect to, you know, plan out a segment or do what I do, other than that, it really is effortless and it's a joy, and I just am so inspired every day.
1: That's exactly right. Exactly right. It takes... um, It takes a lot of the hard work out of living because you learn to um, proceed based on inspired ideas, and you take actions that are already halfway opened for you because it pops right. into your head, or you're following your passion. Mm-hmm. I agree. I always say follow those, um, follow those inner voices, those inner pushes and pulls, and then let, like you said, let your intellect be the supporting partner. You know, we are human. We do have the ability to think and use analytical reasoning. We do have a basis of education and experience and knowledge. Use that as your backup tool, but don't use it as the first primary operand.
0: There you go. And I liked what you said about um, the education system, because if I look at what I call my old life and my new life, which is before the shift occurred for me, I see how much I struggled. And with listening to the way that you just described the education system, it makes sense that what I was really struggling with was the fact that throughout my education, I was taught what to think and how to conform, but I was also taught to deaden my emotions and my feelings and my intuitive drive. Yes. And that was where the struggle for most of us are. You know, how do we struggle against what happened that we didn't want to happen? How do we create what we want? And how do I find peace? I just want peace. But I think it's in that surrender to letting go of all your concepts, all your beliefs that don't serve you, all the thought processes, all the habits that keep you stuck. And she talks about being stuck in the book. Yeah. Get yourself unstuck. And follow her advice. This is very solid. I've even doused it with a pendulum and and did, you know, some kind of evaluation energetically on it. I think it's terrific. And I especially love that she gives some predictions in here about what's coming.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. Um, When you first begin to open up to, you know, hear possibilities from a source other than yourself, It feels a little bit scary to hear predictions, but over years and years of seeing what's said come true, it does become natural. And you can also recognize how it's going to unfold because you can find the evidence of us heading in that direction.
0: Right. Well, I I really highly recommend this. And and like I said in the beginning, at first I was a little curious, like, okay, these are entries and, like, you have – uh, June 1st, 2005, 11.40 a.m., in parentheses, book session four. So you basically logged them as entries as you would a journal as you took down the information. And it's an unusual format for a book, but once I saw what she was getting into and then what the next entry was about, I got so into the content that my brain was able to absorb the formatting. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: Yeah. 'Cause yeah. there's no yeah. chapter heading. You open it and expect no it to read like an outline or um a book that's organized topically and when you don't read it that way it can it takes you a little while to digest how this is going to unfold.
0: Right. And I, I spent quite a few minutes looking for a table of contents. And after three <laughs> attempts after three attempts I accepted the fact that there isn't one. And Exactly. So I, Curious. <laughs> okay, so I see. Oh, I see what she's doing. But the, you're not driving this bus. This is Jana. This is yeah. her getting this information through you. And she even talks about you. It was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. I love what she, yeah. she was like, well, Karen doesn't have a, a working knowledge of, like, the brain. So I can't really go there because then you would, as a channel, your brain would start to wrestle with the information So she had to kind of talk a certain way. That was pretty funny.
1: Yes. Yeah, it is. And now it's almost like the game of operation where you put the poker in and it buzzes. Like I can almost sense when a guide is, you know, running around inside my brain trying to find a frame of reference in me so that they can have a conversation.
0: Yes. And (laughs) And they pull some obscure
1: stuff out. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And they do that a lot for clients. If I don't have a frame of reference for what the client is being asked to consider, they'll go into my reservoir and find the, the most uh, likely representation that I've got stored.
0: For your own understanding.
1: Okay. Exactly.
0: Well, I, I want to talk about the website, but before I do, there's one more passage in the book that I thought was really interesting, and it is in the book session 52. August 17, 2005, on page 185. She says, I know you have questions and doubts. We, and she's talking in the collective between her and these other souls that she's working with to help us here on Earth, we want you to have doubts. Doubt is the signal from a healthy mind that independent thinking is your guiding source. Independent thinking is your protector and your mentor. Those who are un- who are unable to think independently are unable to create the life of their choosing. It's a pretty powerful statement.
1: Wow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sometimes when you hear this stuff back, you're like, wow, um, you really didn't mince words there, huh? <laughs> right.
0: But it lends to it's what true. we were just talking about, how we were taught how to think. And she wants us to be independent and shrug off those judgments, those opinions, those directives that you know you're going to do this and you're going to get an education. We need to disconnect from those things that we feel shaped us and just embrace the true essence of ourselves and be an independent thinker, especially when it comes to what to do with our life and how we want to express our contribution yeah. to this planet, you know? Yeah.
1: Can I um, can I give you a quick example of that in real life? Absolutely. Um, I, I was doing a session with a woman in... Florida that I had never met. It was a one-hour session. And like a lot of people, when they're hanging up the phone with me, they say, "Uh, is there anything else my guys want me to know before I hang up? It's almost like that last superstition thing. Did I forget to ask something that's important?
0: Right. And so she
1: asks this at the end. And I get immediately, um, the answer is, your husband could benefit by eating more carbohydrates. And she's like, oh, wow, wow. Um, she's like, wow, now I really, really feel guilty. I said, no, don't worry about it, you know, just give him some more carbs. And she said, well, here's why I feel guilty. Number one, I spent this whole session talking about me, and I never brought him up. Number two, um, he he got sick seven months ago, and he's only 38 years old, and the, he's been to every specialist that there is, and no one can determine what's the matter with him. And in the last three weeks, He's finally started to miss work because of his illness. And without having a diagnosis, we are just predicting that it will just continue to get worse. She said, but eight months ago, I went carb-free, and I put the family on a carb-free diet because I didn't feel like shopping or cooking differently for everybody. Oh, wow. And it was a very important insight that the experts don't know everything. The experts don't necessarily know what's right for you. So if you are an independent thinker, you're going to listen to your body, put the book down, and pick up the food and see how the food makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And to think that that many medical experts never once asked, have you had a change in diet? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah, you got to count like on yourself to be able to think.
0: Yeah, I don't like the word expert because it's kind of uh... – says that you have nothing left to learn about a particular and, subject, yes. and I think that's impossible.
1: And you pass your power on when the power really does lie with you, even if it's evaluating what a supposed expert can share with you.
0: Yes, and she goes on to, to speak of miracles of healing and how medical science tries to call on an anomaly when it's actually a change of perspective from soul level and facilitates a healing. Um, yes. Speaking of medical professionals, just out of my own curiosity, um, what did you do when you were parents on the Dr. Oz show?
1: Um, that oh, I was a guest to talk about the best advice that Dr. Oz ever heard. So I gave what my tip was. <laughs> and how did he I take it? I thought it was a nice segment for him, huh? How did he take it? Oh, your he was—he's very—he's very agreeable. You know, he's—he uh, puts on a good show.
0: He does. I like him a lot. I really uh like what he teaches about wholeness and different his he's open to different things like yoga and meditation. And well let's talk about your website. You are offering a free gift to all the listeners of the segment. What is the gift for everybody?
1: Um the gift actually is either a PDF version or an e book version of the book The Answers that we're discussing today. So when you um when you go to the download page you'll be given Uh, the option of choosing PDF or e-book, and then that will be delivered to you.
0: That's a very generous
1: gift. Well, thank you.
0: And what you would do, ladies and gentlemen, is visit the website, theanswersunlimited.com. You can also read an excerpt from the book to see what we're talking about. And this is a 240-page book. This is a substantial gift. So go check that out. And, you know what, there's a link on the show page, and I just recognize the difference between the two websites. The main website is theanswersunlimited.com, and where the download is is karengarvey.com slash freedownload.html. I apologize for that, Uh, Karen.
1: Uh, Karen Garvey gets you to the same place as the Answers Unlimited, but the download page can't be gotten to from within the website. You have to know to put the download in there.
0: Okay, so they want to use the link I put in the show page directly. If you're listening on iTunes or YouTube, you want to go to blogtalkradio.com slash Charlotte Spicer. Tune in to the September 22nd episode with Karen Garvey. um, The answers to all your questions about life with Medium, Karen Garvey is the title. And in that show page is the link you need to get the book. If you want to reach out to Karen on social media, on Facebook, her profile name is Karen L. Garvey. Garvey is spelled G-A-R-V-E-Y. On Instagram, Karen underscore Garvey. And on Twitter, at Karen Answer. Karen, what's on the horizon for you, other than coming back on my show to talk about your next book?
1: <laughs> I just I looked I you in. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) I always have a lot going on. I'm really excited about an event I'm doing this coming weekend, and even if someone is listening in archives, I'm so excited about the event. I'm sure that I'll offer it at other places and other times, but it's called Getting It Right, and we'll be doing experiential um, activities all day to help people shift from the left brain focus to the right brain so that they can access all that is eternal, their creative nature, their guides, their internal wisdom, their higher self, and so on. And I have the great fortune or privilege of having Dan Millman, the author of Way of the Peaceful Warrior, as a guest speaker on that day, too. So um, it's going to be very exciting.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. And is that up in New York where you are, the
1: New York area? That is in New York. And we also have a wonderful musician, David Young, who will be sharing. He's probably one of the most prolific, quote-unquote, New Age, (laughs) uh, meditation Uh, musicians in the world and he'll be there too to help us you know remove the um, boundaries that the left brain often contains us in
0: absolutely that'll be a beautiful experience with the music
1: if you are listening to the archive check her current
0: calendar of events to see what she's doing so anybody listening to this in 2015 can look up Karen Garvey at her website karengarvey.com, where the answers dot unlimited.com, and see what's happening in New York. Or if you do you travel around the country at all, or do you plan Yes, to? I
1: do. I always give um, three-day seminars other places in the country, um, usually once or twice a year, and then I do get invited to guest speak all around the country. So yes, I'm out and about quite a bit.
0: Yes, as I read in the introduction, there were so many things you've appeared on that I really couldn't name them all. So that's a good sign,
1: yeah,
0: that's a good sign. Well, if you ever come to the Orlando area, let me know, and I will help facilitate um in any way I'll volunteer to
1: help. I would like that that's a place oh. that's on my on my to go to list so i'm I am gonna take you up on that
0: awesome no I'll, I'll if I have the time, I will gift it to you, so I'm happy to offer that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the air. Thank you for the copies of your beautiful book and for doing this work for the world i really appreciate it and i know the listeners are going to love this book
1: thank you so much i look forward to talking to you again char me too take care now bye
0: okay all right everybody that's our show for today get the book the answers to your questions about life it really does have the answers in here until next time god bless and be at peace